Hello and welcome to a another episode of No Plans to Merge. This time with a faster fade out music. I'm your host, Caleb Porzio. And I'm your other host, Daniel Colvorn, here spinning the wheels of steel. Mm. And today's episode is brought to you by... Um, I, I guess Zencaster again. Yeah, it is Zencaster, isn't it? Yeah, we're, we're trying something out. Yeah, thanks to the, to the listener and the user, we've been trying something out for a few weeks now. Um, and it's not gone well, but I think now it will because... Now it will. We were fighting what God intended for Zencaster, which True. is to have your intro music built into the show and use like a live soundboard type of situation. This is DJ Daniel DJ, coming look, at I you mean, live. Look, 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 I could see I can what, just start playing it right s- now. <laughs> starting over? Yeah, it's weird, right? It's kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, that's fun. Um, we should have other little sound effects like uh, Crazy Ira and the douche. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a boing. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Me so horny. And like, we, we could do, just yeah, do that. Just all sorts of all sorts of kaboom, you know? Yeah, we should have some of those things. Yeah. All kinds Is your of face stuff. close enough to your mic, Daniel? Do you, do you think it it's ever? not? Do you think it's not? <laughs> now it is. Okay. Okay. Um, Daniel. Yeah. We're going to yes, have a great Ira. episode for you today. Yes. It's going to be great. We are. Um, I got a whole slew of topics. You got a whole great. slew of topics. I've got, well, I've got one big topic. Well, I've got a couple. Yeah, actually. Well, let's, let's first uh, make sure that we, you know, clear all the, the random topics. The Detroit out of the yeah. queue first. You know what I mean? What do you um, got? Um, I'd like to start off with, we, we talked about Theo Von, off air mm. but we haven't talked about it on air the Yvonne, very funny and i think he's like the funniest dude he's so funny he's so funny like yeah. wa- watching his interviews is funnier than watching his stand-up for sure twice as funny yeah like watching him just be him yeah yeah no he's is, pretty, he, he's pretty good oh my gosh dude so funny so that's that. I, I just i saw a tiktok the other day i was just scrolling through um, and it was a video of like a really like weird hairless chihuahua, and someone had like kind of animated the mouth so it like opened and closed. Okay, and it was just Theovan's voice. And I was born with kind of a kind of a weird body, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was all it was, and it just made nice. me laugh so hard. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he he's got all these little Theovan isms. Mm-hmm. One of them is qualifying statements with like kinda mm-hmm. like he said mm-hmm. like you know I've I've never been highly homosexual or something like that you know he'll mm-hmm. just kind of like take something that's an absolute and make it like degrees <laughs> it, of it and just it, always yeah. say like I'm not kinda you know mm-hmm. you know I'm, whatever um, mm-hmm. which is just funny and funny cat. I, I really want to know how much of everything he says is complete BS because I a mean, certain percent of it for sure that's a certain part percent, of it but also he he's from louisiana and like when you're in louisiana wild stories enter your life like you just right. end up with like some crazy shit happening yeah and know? i definitely believe like a good chunk of them but i don't know I, i'm like i'm on a secret mission to figure out like how much is just bs and how much isn't yeah. he told a story about something when he was a kid and he's like, oh, and I just like had my phone on, you know, like looked at my phone. I had my friend recording on his phone. And it's like, wait a second, you're like 40 
And when you were, you know, 12, like, would you have had a phone? You know, I don't know. Like, I don't think I had a phone when I was 12. Or if I did, it was like a flip phone. Someone 10 years earlier, it wouldn't have been like. Yeah, because like when I was 15 was like when phones were first like recording video, I feel Mm -hmm. like. Yeah, they had that. um, When the iPhone came out. That flip. Remember the Verizon? um, It's like a flip phone that could record video and it had like you know little um uh like princess leia circles you know at like the hinge do you remember that it's like a like a gray flip phone it was kind of iconic oh i do know what you're talking about yeah yeah, yeah. princess leia circles yeah yeah so, that's, that's, it's a term of art so yeah anyway theovan super funny the other thing he does that just makes me crack up people ask him questions and he just sits there and stares and goes Mm, no you know can you picture it yeah. he'll just like because he's sitting in his head you know he's just thinking at the speed of light yeah. of like the funny thing to, is to, there a joke? to say yeah and so he just like sits there and stares and you think he's just dumb and is just like hmm, did i do that <laughs> no he's actually like constructing the next 15 minutes of story when he just goes mm, no yeah. but i did you know something <laughs> yeah, just yeah, goes yeah. Anyway, Theovan, uh, dude, he's cracking me up. He's, he's good. He's good. Source of humor. Dude, shout out to Louisiana. They don't get enough credit. You know? Yeah. One of their native sons really breaking out. I know. Probably biggest Louisianan since Lil Wayne. Is that right? I mean, who else between between the two? Betwixt I mean, the I two. I don't think I know where people are from, so I'm not sure that I, you know. Yeah, I guess that is that is one of your failings. Yeah. I don't know anybody. Sure. So sure, rappers are the only people who like rap where they're from. You know, yeah, that's true. More people should. Well, Theo Vaughn does. Yeah, Theo Vaughn does. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so he's freaking funny, dude. Just funny guy. Funny dude, Daniel. Um, one other trash topic, real quick, before we get trash into the real me. topics. Um, so remember I talked about Marvel Snap, the mobile game, mm-hmm. mobile card game. All right, well that is like, that's like the gateway drug to mobile card gaming. Oh, oh. boy. I've gotten into uh, like the pure Colombian flake um, with uh, Boss Chris. Boss Chris basically has secretly been playing uh, Hearthstone Battlegrounds this whole time and was like, you need to play this game with me. So I have been doing it and it's so fun. And what it is, is it's a card game. It's the same deal. Auto Battler. You don't need to collect cards, unlike in Marvel Snap. So uh-huh. you're never getting beat by somebody just because they have better cards oh. that you don't have access to, right? Um, but it's eight people in one game. And each turn, you're fighting a different person. And people are getting knocked out slowly. It's like a Battle Royale-style yeah. card game. It's very fun. Interesting. But uh, me and Chris, you can join the same game together. So like me and Chris have been like going into these Battle Royales together. Hmm. It's pretty fun. Uh, you're you're very into uh, you know, games and stuff, Daniel. You're so I love like, to win. Do you? Uh, yes. Do you actually love to win? I'm extremely competitive, yes. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Cuz I mean, I think you're pretty good at games. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Is that natural or is that because you play a lot of games and like game stuff transfers? I mean, I I'm a grinder. Okay. That is one thing about me, right? right. Is like I will take a game and decide to become good at it. Yeah. And then I will grind it. And so I set, a, I set a goal of 6,000 MMR in, which is like a your ranking, right? Okay. 
in Hearthstone. I'm at 4,500 now. But before I started playing Hearthstone, I set the goal. Because Chris is like floating around 7,000. He's been playing for years. I was like, I can get to 6,000. Like, <laughs> Dude. so I'm going to grind my ass to 6,000. I think the peak of gaming for my gaming career will have to just be Melvor Idol. My big, dude, my big gaming Idol debut. Was, that was, <laughs> dude, you were in and out, dude. You maxed, right? Uh, I don't think so. I think pretty oh, close. Damn. Really close. Like, funny how close. It kind of a shame to not like, go back and max, you know? Like, what do I, what, what's going to happen when I actually complete this thing? Oh, nothing. I was like, well, what am I doing? Well, forget it, you know? Yeah. That's weird. Um, games. Marvel Snap? Marvel? Yeah, Marvel Snap. Snap. Um, oh, dude, I was going to ask you a question about games. and I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But that's great. That's yeah. great, Daniel. Um, games on, on that, like we, we should at least touch on chat GPT, GPT for mid journey. Sure. Those things, mid journey V five or whatever. So I didn't watch the stream, so I don't know like what Neither they announced. I. I know that they just did a big announcement. GPT four is like, you know, I think the gist is like if, if the bar graph of how good GPT three is, mm-hmm. is like the size of a pencil, then GPT four is like a yardstick. So I think that's the, the big takeaway, you know? Sure. So it's about um, like, about 4.8 times better. Yeah, seems about that. And you can input uh, imagery into the prompt. Um, Ooh, so you can prompt with an image. I like to yeah. prompt with an image. Yeah. So who? I think the uh, Fireship dude made a quick like text to speech with some with like Google's AI text to speech or speech to text. Mm-hmm. So he could just like talk into this little app, speech to text API Google thing. Take the text as a prompt into the ch- chat GPT or whatever. Take that, um, take that, and then turn it back into audio. And so he's just having like a conversation with the AI, and it was pretty funny, pretty cool. Do you think we could build a thing where, like, when we record the show, we could feed it into a GPT and just have it tell us if it's one of the good ones or not? Oh, that'd be funny. Yeah, <laughs> and then just label it. <laughs> If it's just one like, of the good ones or not. Yeah, it's just a Boolean flag in Transistor's right. database. We could probably do some funky stuff. Yeah, I know Justin, so we could we could reach out to him and have him add the flag. Yeah, just he could add us. the flag, no doubt. He is one of the good ones. Somebody, so there's this little trend, micro trend, after GPT-4 came out like two days ago or whatever, Hustle GPT. So this dude, I should I should remember his name so that people can look it up. Something Jackson, John Jackson or something. Just like a dude. Justin Johnson. Just Justin Johnson. Jack Luda. <laughs> he he's like, all right, so this GPT thing's pretty cool. Let's see, like, if I just give it a hundred dollars and just tell it to like, you know, make as much money as possible and as quick in as soon of time as possible, and I'll be your human liaison. So uh-huh. he's like, You are hustle GPT. Your sole purpose in life is whatever, and I'm your oh human liaison. And so he's like, you have a hundred bucks. Like, what are we going to do with it? And the, and the chatbot's like, well, we're going to start an affiliate site for like a niche product affiliate marketing site for eco green products, you know? And it's uh-huh. like, okay, great. So like, what's our first step? So go to Webflow, create a site, buy a domain name and like, okay, now we got 60 bucks left. Like go to Fiverr or whatever and get um, like, but we need content. We need our first post. So now, we, so anyway, he's accepted a bunch of investors because all of a sudden, like, Twitter is kind of blowing it up. 
So he's got like, so he's asking GPT four, like people want to invest. Should we have them invest? Sure. Yeah. You know, so GPT four is $20,000. GPT four is driving the ship. I don't know how much money they have now, but they, they cut off the investing and, uh, they were like selling like, you know, percentages of the business. That's amazing. Um, And so this is day two, like today is day two. And, and he's like, okay, well we're making like, he had to have like this sit down with the AI to be like, remember, I didn't say we need to make a niche affiliate site. I just said we need to make a lot of money. So like, don't get so narrow. And the AI is like, oh, I'm sorry. I have been focused on that this whole time. And you're right. You did say that. Like, Mm -hmm. I will be more, you know, aware of like, you know, not, (laughs) I don't know. It's just pretty wild. So I like it. We'll see if if he makes any money. But Daniel, I use ChatGPT. I've been using it to teach me Rust. Really? See, so so I, that is that is what I will use it for when I use it. It's a great use case because you can basically just say, what's the Rust equivalent of this in PHP? And then just yeah. learn Rust. Or be like, what is this weird piece of syntax? Or like, yeah. what is, yeah. Yep. So then I started like, I spent a little bit just talking to it, you know, in my free time. What are you making in Rust, Caleb? Nothing. But I, I started like just, you know, taking some of the little tool stuff that I make in PHP and turning it into Rust. Right. And just as you know, it's like, how do I make a collection pipeline in Rust? Like, let's do that. What's that yeah. like? Hitting little problems. So, does then... Rust have like strongly typed arrays? Like, yes. can you have an array of generics? I don't know about if you, can you can have, have like an array, array of I whatevers. So. I don't know. So that's the problem I ran into. So in Go, I tried to make collection pipelines, and you yeah. just can't because it's like unless you know what's in this collection, right? Well, you do know what's in the collection generally, right? Like well, no, but you, in, could, you couldn't even write the class until you like. Hmm. What mean? Like, like you could make you could write code for like an array of strings, right. or an array of integers, yep. or an array of whatever. But you couldn't write a useful like uh, collection class that then a user land person could put any type that they wanted to into. I gotcha. Well, I mean. There's, you know, there is like collections in Rust. Like it's like dot collect. Okay. And now you have something that you can run like map and filter and a bunch of stuff on. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, there's it's a little bit tricky for me. There's like dot unwrap. People who know Rust are going to laugh because I don't know anything. Like there's dot unwrap, there's dot collect, and there's dot ugh, something. And, and it's totally confusing to me. It's like, wait, we just created a vector... And you can like do that with like a formal syntax or you can just use like the array syntax from PHP. Sure. It, it is a little confusing for sure because it's like a very strict language. So I find myself like confused and just wrestling with like, you know, okay, I got it. I think I need to get it in this form. How do I get in that form? I'll try it, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. But hopefully it is not a for loop obsessed language like Go is. Yeah. Um, I haven't found it to be for loop assessed uh, obsessed there's yeah yeah, there's like collection pipeliney stuff there is a loop uh um like construct like instead of while like it's literally just called loop nice and it just runs forever until you call break or you know continue that's nice which i think is really cool it's like oh that's it's just while true but it's called loop and that's fun yeah because while true was always a hack anyway yeah i like it so yeah oh daniel I also was messing with fibers in PHP. Mm-hmm. Tell you me about them. With these? Uh, no, tell me about them. You can just use them right now and they're fun. Tell me about them. It's a way to get like faux concurrency in PHP. Okay. So you could actually use them to build 
like async functions almost. I like that. You know, but under the hood, it's still all single thread, you know, stuff. Like mm-hmm. one thing is processing after another. You just have a way. So this is the gist with a fiber in PHP. You literally, you type like new fiber. It's like a class mm-hmm. in PHP that just works. I thought it was some obscure thing that was coming later, like an extension or something. But here but it no, is. No, you can literally be like dollar sign fiber equals new fiber. And then does it take like a closure and then you do everything? It takes a closure. closure. And then inside of that, you can call fiber suspend, which is almost like yield in a generator. Mm-hmm. You call fiber suspend and pass it a value. Now, outside of that, when you call fiber arrow start, it's going to execute the code until it hits suspend. And it's going to return that value. And then at any time, you can call fiber resume and it'll continue execution. It's very similar to uh, Go stuff, channel oh. and all that stuff. Yeah, okay. Not a, it's definitely channels are definitely more like designed to be reached into from outside, right? But like, it's cool. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just a cool. It basically, I think at first I thought it was something that it's not. I thought it was more jazzy than it is, but it is cool. But it's basically generators. In my mind, it's generators without like the iteration context. You know, nice. Like you use generators when you're like looping something like that. But mm-hmm. like fibers, it's like you can replay them from distant places they don't have to be in a loop it's it's cool nice so anyway daniel that's fibers yeah did you see my pipe tweet about my pipe operator no dude i've been let me tell you how little i've been doing twitter this uh, this past two weeks because you've you've been actually working i've been been running the business over here yeah daniel started in this uh uh an agency. I started an, ind- an industry. You started an entire a new category. Industry. Yeah. You're disrupting a new industry. I'm out here. I'm disrupting. But yeah, no, tell me about your tweet. No, I mean, you, you'll have to look at it. I thought it was super cool. I feel like I, I came up with like a pretty cool thing, but, and it, there's just some PHP ridiculousness that, that you would be, it, it would be like a fun thought experiment to see what you would come up with. Um, but I don't know. People already saw the tweet, so it feels like, you don't like to do no. thought experiments on this podcast? You don't think this is kind of a thought experiment? I do. Podcast? I just feel like if I didn't already tweet about it all, already, then it would be already, more fun. You already blew your load on this one. Exactly. All right. Well, That's... fair enough. All right. Cool. Well, <laughs> listener, sorry you don't get to have a thought experiment today. St. Caleb. Basically, this I won't give you the... We won't go down that whole road, but I will forever be searching for a way to 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 know the end of a of a chain of a fluent chain in php and return the underlying value to unwrap a chain like at the end of a collection not have to type to array or you know all at the end of eloquent not have to type arrow get you know destructor how let's do it i that sounds great destructor how do we use that? Okay, so here's the goal. Here's here yes. we'll make a new thought experiment. Collection. Uh-huh. Laravel's collection. Make it so that I can type dollar sign array, whatever, equals collect arrow map arrow whatever. Uh-huh. And then that do- let's call it foo. Uh-huh. So that dollar sign foo, that is a pure array, like the items property in the collection. How do we uh-huh. achieve that? without chaining arrow all at the end of it. So I think 
if you put in the destructor of the class, yep, return this arrow all. No, you can return from no from a yeah. destruct. Yeah, no way. Um, but you it, you have to think about when the variable goes out of memory, right? Like that's what matters. Right, and if you're that's assigning like foo to that thing, it, it's not going out of memory. You're just assigning it to foo. You know, what? No, 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 but I mean, like, there is a point where like the destructor gets called, and I for sure, I used to know specifically when it was, and I don't anymore. I mean, it really is just when there's no more references to that object that it gets garbage collected, and then destruct gets called. Like the all of the builders in Laravel do this pattern. Yeah. So, like, if you look at like the route constructor or the route builder, like. It does this. And so you get these, uh, I forget what he calls them. There's some naming convention that's like unfinished route or something like It's not unfinished, but it's like, or potential route or something like that. There's like a class that is like a route that isn't a route yet, yeah. you know? Yep. And then eventually the destructor gets called and it returns like the final version of that class. So Interesting. I could source dive live on the show if you want me to. I mean, I just like quick looked at the docs for destructor destructor to make sure that there's no return value. There's not a return value in destruct. You just use it as sort of like a cleanup, you know? Um, yeah, as far as I know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Cause like destruct gets called when the thing is like, no, when the thing no longer exists or when there's no references to it, you know? Because that's sure. how like PHP's garbage collector works. What so am I fucking, what am I thinking about? I don't know what you're thinking I did, about. I wrote this code too. Like I got inspired by how Taylor did it, but I haven't done it in so long. This is yeah. the thing that like we talk about this a lot on the show, but like the difference between like writing framework code and writing like app code is so big. Yeah. Um, and like when I had Ziggy, I was like kind of writing framework code. Right, you know? right. And You're so there's like all these things like destructor pattern. There's like, there's no reason to ever do it in an app. Yeah, right. There's, it's only useful in a framework, but. Right. So I think the pattern is useful. Like, let's say you have some fluent chain that you're building up an action. Yeah. And then the action doesn't, can just take place whenever, you know? Yeah. Then destructor is great. Um, how does a, how does array accessible work? Yeah. So you implement array access on any class. Uh-huh. And then you have to add four methods to that class. Right. There's you're right. offset, get, offset, set, offset, uh, unset, and offset exists or whatever. And then you then can treat, point, you can cast it to an array, right? You cannot. So really? PHP, there is no way to cast to an array. It is so bonkers and dumb. You can access it as an array. Huh. You can access the indexes. You can unset on it directly. Huh. You can even destruct. Like I use it to destruct stuff. So this is, by the way, Caleb, yep. the thing, this is something you could do in TypeScript, by the way. Okay. If you wanted to. What? You could like... Cast to array. Like, yeah, well, you could just like take the object and just like use it as another object. Like use it as another type. Right. So like uh, a thing that, that was of one type. Right. You could just say hey, this thing is now this other type. And as long as it's compatible with the other type definition, yeah, like it's fine. 
Well, so what about like if I, in TypeScript, if I created a collection class, you know, that mm-hmm. wrapped an array underneath it and then had like map and filter and stuff that you chained mm-hmm. fluently, I would still have the same problem in JavaScript, right? Like if I did, you know, let foo equals collect, you know, dot. So no, in that case, I think that your collection class would probably be extending array, right? Maybe. I don't know how that works. So that would be interesting. Can you extend native array? I, th- I imagine you can. I don't see why you wouldn't be able to. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've attempted something like that and gotten blocked. But well, I, I don't in, know. But in TypeScript, like this is what I'm saying. It's not like really doing that in JavaScript. I got you. Right. It's so if you do it in TypeScript, though, you know what I'm saying is like, it's not an array. So you can't like... I don't know what TypeScript would do behind still, the scenes. Okay, well, whatever. Well, I don't yeah. know TypeScript enough to say that. But in PHP, basically, I have been like clawing at my brain trying to think of a way to automatically unwrap something on assignment yeah and i have just hit dead end after dead end i don't know php might just not let you do it i did some wonky thing though uh-huh. where have you heard of tick functions or ticks in php not in php no so what you can literally write this line in php declare tick equals one uh-huh and now like ticks are a thing every expression uh-huh. is a tick so you can register oh, a tick function that's like a listener for each tick and it gets called so huh. it'll like get called between each expression at runtime so <laughs> i use this freaking tick thing to basically i kept track of the how many times the chain is called you know how many times a thing is like fluently called so and it's each expression at a certain level like at a certain execution scope basically um each expression anywhere yes it is actually it is scoped like to, if your if your function call yeah. calls another function call it calls another function call is each of those a tick or is just the i think one they are each a tick. one a tick they're each a tick which is actually what made my solution a little difficult but i did yeah. figure it out basically i used it as a way to like listen for a tick like basically return the fluent object like collection you know return mm-hmm. it and increment call every time like basically if any method gets called the next time i'm going to increment this little call counter be like it got called again you know it got chained and then i'm going to increment a tick counter in that tick handler and like they should kind of be in step is like okay it got called again there was a tick and it got called okay again and there was a tick and it got called and then wait till oh there was a tick but it didn't get called right so and so but like that the only way to use that is if i set it by assignment if i say like foo assignment equals like amp equals ampersand collect then in my register tick handler thing i can be like oh there was a tick and not a call change the reference to the underlying thing to unwrap it yeah yeah, yeah. which like works but you have to have that ampersand you know so it just doesn't feel like pure sure and it feels like bonkers level of hacky yeah anyway. i don't really even know what problem you were trying to solve with it so trying to unwrap I, I i presented the problem trying to unwrap a collection oh i didn't even know we were still talking about the same problem i thought you were just talking about ticks now no that's like a solution to solve the problem i don't you weren't I, following were you no i was i was trying to wrap my head around like how someone would use ticks to like track through a loop you know gotcha yeah but i was like wait how does this let you unwrap a collection though yeah, so like every time, you know, if you have like collect 
and then you start arrowing methods off of it at the end. Mm-hmm. Every time you arrow, that's going to be a tick oh. in PHP. Uh-huh. So maybe it's not every, it's not like expressions. It's like things. Oh, and you so know? then you have each of your methods also hits a counter object. Yeah. So then if there's a tick that doesn't hit a counter object, you're like, yeah. oh, this is code that isn't in my yeah. chain. Right. Ugh. I don't yeah, like that. Yeah, that, that nutty. <laughs> I don't like that, that at all. I'm like proud that I found something that kind of sure, works. Sure, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know, man. There's got to be a way. There is a way. I don't know what well, the I mean, way is. Well, I mean, you found a way. That's a way, but I have to add the ampersand. Right. I want to find a way where I don't have to add the ampersand. Sure, 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 sure. That doesn't require me literally doing like a debug backtrace and parsing out the line that called it to see like how many arrows there are. Yeah, that seems rough. Extremely rough and, and slow. dumb. And slow. Um, so anyway, or, whatever. Random stuff, Daniel. I'm just like random stuff. toying with PHP. For, oh, did you see the AI thing? The little AI thing? I made this little facade. It's called AI. It's full just, of AI things, Caleb. I know. It's so fun. You, this is like NFTs. You call AI colon colon and then just any method you want. And it'll like fetch it from OpenAI and then like call it at runtime. And then cache that for next time. So it's just like, oh, interesting. Yeah. So you could just be like anywhere in your project, be like AI colon colon, get all posts from user, pass in user, and it should just work. Oh, I saw who was building that. Was it one of the Beyond Code guys or something? There, yeah, he's working on something else. I don't know if he's. I don't think he's working on this, but he's working on definitely. He has what the diff, which is like automatic PR reviews, like AI Uh senior developer thing um give me an ai junior developer to just be the junior developer (laughs) yeah what i need is is ai junior developers yeah i'm good on an ai senior developer yep that's true yeah you want the ai junior (laughs) yeah give me five to ten of them and i will conquer this world daniel related to juniors so my brother was labor man and became Uh computer man yeah did the boot camp uh, we, we call that uh thought work thought work he's now a thought or knowledge worker. work he's a knowledge, knowledge work right yeah he's a yeah. knowledge worker yep so he switched over to knowledge work and he got a job he did the boot camp in three months and he got a job in like another month or two nice okay his wife my wife she did the same thing <laughs> she did the same thing and she can't get a job and she has gotten it's rough times out there essentially zero interviews and she has submitted 400 applications no and shit it has been many months and there are other people in her cohort less qualified than her that have gotten jobs yeah or at least interviews welcome to the jungle she is black and a woman yeah and an immigrant that will do it and I, like none of us wanted to like blame that for a while that's probably it though but now it's like so bad yeah it's really it's insanely bad. bad yeah nobody is picking up the phone that's like nobody nuts so i'm trying to figure out like what do we do for dia i, I can say your name right sure what what can we do for dia how do we well, get dia a job i mean i employ two people <laughs> right now <laughs> You were looking for a third. Um, she, I, I think, I think the thing was well. I will say, like anybody listening, she did the boot camp for Java and I think React or Vue. 
Uh-huh. And if you're just looking for like a junior in general, or if you have something for somebody who is that level, or if you know anybody who's like a Java company and is hiring juniors or whatever, like hit me up. That would be greatly appreciated. But Hell yeah. I don't know. I just sent her an email of like, here's what I would do if I were you. I would get on Twitter and basically like, like basically I was like, follow Josh Camu, Camo, whatever. I don't know how that Take, is. Really? Java um, guy? What's that? Java guy? No, he's a front end dude. Okay. He does those like insanely in-depth tutorials. Like he has a CSS course now, a React course. Gotcha, gotcha. But he's got a bunch of CSS tutorials that are just next level. Everything he does is just... I'm surprised you don't know this, dude. Daniel, do you live in a hole? Yeah, I'm out of the loop, dude. You are way out of the loop. And you're not even running an NFT company. Yeah. Anyway, this dude's legit. He's uh, If you're going to follow anybody in web, like you should follow him if you're getting into it. So I was like, go take this dude's course and write blog posts and tweet about everything you do. And find a guru and just listen to every podcast they've ever done and go to a conference and like this is a magic formula like you if you do this stuff you can't fail is basically my message Laracon. what's that come to Laracon. yeah i don't know i don't know about we'll, the laravel we'll introduce her to everybody yeah so i wonder about the laravel community in general i also told her like you should get into front end they are yeah, way more liberal that's true than back end you're much more likely to run into much less like racist and sexist people right and that's what i'm thinking and she is like a woman who's not white so somebody front ends the spot tbh yeah Yeah. like like just start where it's a little bit better for you you know maybe maybe learn like trpc and you know (laughs) that stuff yeah so anyway i was just totally surprised i'm like this is crazy i thought she would have it made because of how many like you know doing alpine day and working for other companies it's like diversity is so important and it's so hard to find people you know it's a lot of talk it's well yeah no talk. but this is the thing and like we we know this though like we know it's it e- it's easy to find juniors but pe- nobody wants to hire juniors right yes right and that's the thing sure. is like it's easier to get your first web job if you're like a white dude coming out of Stanford, you know? Yeah. And so then it's easier to have a lot of experience and therefore it's easier to get your senior dev jobs, right? Because those are the ones that people actually want to pay for is like right. senior devs. Yep. No one really wants to hire someone for their first web job. No, unless you're a big company and you just need a pipeline of people. And so that's where it becomes like structural racism where it's like, okay, well, like maybe you know, maybe none of these individual hiring managers are actually like being like explicitly prejudiced, but like the overall outcome is that like, if you look at the number of like senior devs who are white men versus senior yeah. devs who aren't like, that's where it happens. You know? Right. The The weird thing is like, she has a degree and yeah. other people who've gotten jobs don't have degrees. Yeah. So it's not totally one of those like, you know, just at out of the gate, she's not as qualified because of her back. It's like, no, she's sure. actually, she has the education. Like, she's know. also like trying to get a job in like layoff season. Right. Which is and so that's what I, I was saying ideal. at first. I was like, I think it's just at first, it was, she started get, looking in January and it's like, nobody wants to hire in January. And then the story became, you know, 
tech downturn. And now yeah. though, it's like the industry doesn't hire black women is yeah. sort of the story in my head. It's not good. Which is crazy. Very bad, not good. Very bad, not good. Very bad, not good. But yeah, if you, the listener, are trying to hire somebody specifically for like a front end or Java role, we know somebody. Right. Yep. Yep. So that's that, Daniel. That um, is that. Before we dive into your thing, I wanted to mention that somebody tweeted at me today. Somebody tweeted and tagged me. This is the second time this has happened in one week. An Alpine tip that I didn't think worked. Like Really? Like, oh, this is, cool, this is really cool that you could do this in Alpine. And both times I'm like... And you're like, no, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. I, like the first one, I literally was like, did you run this? Because I don't think this works. Yeah. And the second one, I literally saw it and I pasted it into my like IDE and loaded it. And it you're worked. like, this is fucking horseshit. And dude, I don't know why. So here, let me give this one <laughs> wait, to you. Wait, tell me. You have a div x data. I, I'm, I'm fully Alpine guy. I know. Right now. This, is good, this is a good um, segue. So you have div x data. Inside of it, you have uh, a, whatever, a span tag with an ID of Daniel on it. Yes. Okay. Span ID Daniel. Yeah. And inside that span, it says doodly puff. Doodly puff. So then you have a button at click. So button at click console.log Daniel mm-hmm. dot inner HTML. At click Dan just the variable name Daniel? Yes. Dot so, HTML. Yes. Yeah, so the student posts and I'm like what what are you talking about so i he's like so yeah you don't need a ref you don't need a query selector you could just have an id and then use it and i am like no way that's that's not possible i paste it in it freaking works how, why i don't know i can't even think of how it would work is that just like a new browser API where like you can just call like a variable and it's like, okay, if it's not defined, go look for <gasps> a, a DOM element with this ID? No. What if it was? There's no way. That's that is honestly just as likely of an explanation. That's so cool. Also, Caleb, I have... I don't know, dude. I have a thought for you, actually, that I've been thinking about. Tell me why this can't work. Okay. So you can... Can you... You can modify a prototype in JavaScript, right? Like an sure existing can. prototype. Um, so why couldn't we modify the element prototype? Sure could. And just put a property on it called dollar sign. Okay. That then sees if there's like a underscore X underscore data. Okay. And if there is, returns you like the the scope the scope yeah so that i could just take any dom element and dot dollar sign dot right you know is selected or whatever it would be kind of cool i do this might be a hot tip for you or you already know it i added this this new syntax in the past six months alpine global so capital alpine dot Uh dollar sign data yeah, no, I use that. 
Okay, you pass in but, an element and it gives you the scope of that element, but you just yeah, want a yeah, shortcut but, to it. But I want to, I want to just take it straight from the element. Like that yeah. feels more. Um, that is an approach, but like something about that approach feels like it doesn't feel as fluent. It doesn't feel as nice, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what you want it would just kind of be a shortcut for that. Yeah, it would be a shortcut for that. Yeah. Um. So well, I mean, you could. And I'll say, Daniel, you can do this to your own app. I think I'm going to do this to my app. Which is wild. And um, you'll have to go to confession after you do this, I think. But uh, I think the reason that I have never done... I've never overloaded or monkey patched or whatever any of the native stuff. Because people get mad about it. Why? Um, So especially something like just dot dollar sign. Because if like somebody else wanted to use it or the browser ever wanted to use like, you know, the sure. like, JavaScript ever decided to mm-hmm. that that's generally like even um Chris what Coyer. If, what if it was dot dollar sign alpine then just to be a good boy? Oh, yeah. I mean if it was like specifically denoted in some way as Alpine, then yeah, sure. I know. Yeah. I mean, I can see the dot dollar sign. Maybe some jQuery head gets, you know, gets their head on a slip. Right. I would think that this. exactly. That would be if I was a jQuery dude. I mean, they own the the singular dot dollar sign. I think the statute of limitations is up on dollar sign. I think <laughs> they have ceded any right to own it by not making a good framework in the last decade. You know, <laughs> but by powering like by being. 80% of websites are some ridiculous. West Boss posted at one point, like, I'm in the wrong industry. Like, I'm I'm in the wrong community, like React, you know, because mm-hmm. there's this, you look at the most popular frameworks and like number one jQuery is like 80%. Then mm-hmm. you get all the way down to React. It's like 10 or less, be like 5%. It's crazy. It's not so, dude. Yeah, it's like jQuery, jQuery, UI, Moo tools. It's like these like old things that are just so unbelievably widely used. Well, it's also like, um, it's also like the, uh, it's one of those things where it's a, it's a trailing indicator though, you know? Yeah. Right. Cause it's not like yeah. 80% of new websites right. are jQuery. Yeah. <laughs> Just like there's a lot of websites that were made 10 years ago that still are on the internet. Right. I like that word trailing indicator. That's a really yeah. appropriate term for that. Yeah. 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 I do wonder about that. Yeah. We haven't even talked about the react wars trying to, dethrone react again solid you follow any of that with signals and everything no sure don't do you even know about it no i mean i know about solid all the the four the five five families are fighting oh really there's war there's war i've been seeing dan abramov is talking a lot about relay recently oh is that related to this maybe is is what is relay is that the state graphql stuff oh graphql yeah, he has like brought that into the conversation a little bit, but he's definitely, you know, he's the head of that family, so he's engaged in the but he's mm-hmm. legit. He's he's a good way. He's a great arguer. Good. Idea. He's very like trying to just basically come to the best thing and not just sling mud and be offended and stuff. Yeah. Well, he's yeah, already I, I got, he's already man. got his flowers, so you know. <laughs> no one's going to No one's going to discount Dan, Dan Abramoff, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, but there, you know, people are like, there's a little bit of shade. Like Evan Yu was like kind of yelling into the void, like without naming him per se. Evan Yu is always yelling into the void. (laughs) I don't know what to fucking tell you, man. That guy is the most butthurt guy I've ever seen on the internet. Funny, yeah. He is always offended and he's always upset. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know. So, yeah, the five families. Um, Yeah. Daniel, so that's that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Alpine. You're working on a pretty giant code base. You're working Boy, on the, the largest Alpine code base in existence. I could be. I could be working on the most ambitious Alpine app that there is. Um, so I'm not going to say the name of the company and I'm not going to say the industry. Um, okay. Because you might be able to figure it out from there. But basically, just this say is they're a... Acme and they're in yeah. like defense, the defense department stuff. Yeah, the de- defense Acme. I'm out yeah. here making software for bombs, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's be real. No, but that was what that was my one qualifier when I worked at agencies was like, don't make me write code for bombs. Okay, you know. Yeah. Um, I did almost have to write code for Booz Allen Hamilton one time, but that was I don't know who that it, is. That's an NSA contractor, but I didn't do it. Okay. Um, we didn't get the project, but anyway, What's whatever. The NSA. No such agency. The National know. Security Agency. Okay. And that they're the bomb people. Mm, they're not they're like the cyber bomb people. Gotcha. Okay. They're like Stuxnet people. What's Stuxnet? Um, Stuxnet was a virus that melted down a nuclear power plant in Iran. Wow. That presumably <sighs> the NSA created and deployed. Oh wow. But yeah, it was like cyber warfare that actually like caused a nuclear plant to stop working and Ooh. like break in ways that were irrecoverable dang dude yeah and you, you wrote that code yeah i did that when i was working at booz allen hamilton dude i'm not even mad I'm but impressed. booz allen hamilton is the place that edward stone worked okay um when he was when he when last he snowed in when he when he got out um yeah. but anyway um so yeah Thunk, the agency. Thunk. It's up in full swing, baby. We are crushing it. So two weeks ago, we had a big discovery phase for who was up until now my full-time client. Um, So we basically spent a week, me and John, having calls with them, getting uh, caught up on like, okay, what is left before we can deploy this project? that you want to build and like let's break that down into quote-unquote projects that we can quote-unquote quote you for um and then uh it's good so we scoped out basically the rest of the the rest of the website and then we scoped out like the first three projects and we're like here's how much money we want for these let's go um so now i've got jacob writing code for them i'm doing code review every night on his code yeah um in the meantime i'm working on uh the most ambitious alpine app of all time which is a spreadsheet app i'm sorry i'm I'm scratching my ankle um it's a spreadsheet app so basically there are spreadsheets and there are cells within those spreadsheets and those cells are in rows and columns as with any spreadsheet um and the spreadsheets have different types of data that sort of each cell might represent like a database table in the back end. 
you know? Um, and so to edit a cell isn't just like to edit a string or an integer or something. You might actually have to like open an edit form and edit like a model in the back end. Okay. Right. So there's a spreadsheet that has like kind of like modals that will open if you edit any field. Um, modals like a side panel that kind of slides in. Yeah. Okay. Um, there is uh, all of the good spreadsheet selection stuff. So holding shift and going arrow keys down right uh-huh. and stuff like allows you to select multiple cells. Right. Um, holding shift and clicking to another cell will like select all the cells in between. Oh boy. Holding control um, and clicking just selects that holding, other cell. Holding control and clicking will allow you to start multiple selections. So you can have multiple selected yeah. quadrants. We Ooh. looked at Google Sheets and Google Sheets actually allows you to, or Excel also, allows you to have multiple selections overlapping each other. Okay. That's wild. I think we we might not do that, um, just because like to do it visually would be actually really hard. Okay. Um, but anyway, the uh, it's a lot, and so like you need to know. So there's an active cell, right? Yeah. Which is like where you're mostly focused. Then there's a selection. But even when there's a selection, there's an active cell. There's one active cell. Sure. There's multiple selected cells, maybe. Right. Which is like um, the first one that you start selecting. Correct. Yeah. The one that you're on when you start your selection. When you click, yeah. So anyway, uh, the last day or two, I've just been working on selection in this app. And it's crazy. Um, so mm. they had like a lot of Alpine code in script tags. Um, yep. I'm getting most of it. Out popped of all tags. that out. It's not all out yet, but I'm as I go, I am building in yeah in non-script tag world. Right. So I have a build process, it's ES build, it's just cranking out a bundle. Um right now I have not started writing TypeScript, but I'm going to write TypeScript. Um okay. so because I needed to figure out like what I was actually doing first, right? But like yeah. now I'm realizing there's like well, the cells all have different data types, right? And so yep. having that is going, it's going to be way easier uh, if I just do TypeScript. Yeah. Then I can like, for example, like in Excel, when you select like a bunch of cells all at once, yeah. in your footer, it will show you the sum of the yeah. value of all of those cells. Yep. And Excel will, there is like a numerical value of every type. So a oh. date has a numerical value a wow. dollar so amount has a numerical types value. A method called two number two integer or whatever two or two two countable yeah. yeah and so and some of them like a string will have nothing right like just like a string of text yeah you can't count so you need to ignore that one right, right. so anyway there's stuff like that where it's like there's all these different sort of data types and i need to deal with them and pass them around and like what Ooh. happens if I copy a bunch of cells and then paste them or so, you know, like right. something like that. So dude, this is nutty. Isn't it wild? Why are this they is... building this? You know, there's that uh, part of me that wants to be sure. Like, so they work in an, they work in an industry that Don't is heavily spreadsheet based. Okay. Um, and they work on big deals um, that are kind of, s- most of the deals are shaped similarly to each other. Right. Okay. But like, it seems like my understanding of it is like most of like working a deal is like getting to the point where you have this enormous model in this series of spreadsheets. 
right? And what they need is basically like one layer of abstraction higher than that. Where it's like, okay, well, we really, there's only like a few things that we would need to enter for a given deal. And then we could kind of like generate the spreadsheets, you know? So they're basically building a spreadsheet app that is like the beginning of the real spreadsheet app. Like imagine like you've seen like big spreadsheets, right? Like a complex spreadsheet. And you're like, huh, wouldn't it be cool if like any of these numbers were actually tied to something in a database somewhere so that like more complex things could be done with them, you know, or like, oh, well, like there's the same spreadsheet or there's the same company, but there's like four different spreadsheets about the company, right? Yeah. Well, like maybe there's one number driven. Maybe there's one number that is used in all three of those spreadsheets. And like if that was tied to a database somewhere, they're actually like, you know, so like. There is value in like having these spread database driven spreadsheets, basically, yeah. is what they're doing. But they can all be exported to Excel. Um, so anyway, that's not my problem. I don't have to export them to Excel. Ooh, um, doggy. But yeah, it's a Django it's app in the back end. So I okay. have I've written zero backend code. I may one day write some Django code, but uh-huh. like so far I've written none. Yeah. I have learned a little bit of the Django templating language, but like other than that, it's like I'm doing nothing. Yeah. I'm just writing Alpine. Like I'm writing an Alpine front end app, which is crazy. They use HTMX for all of their oh, like wow. front end back end stuff. Man. So yeah, it's, HTMX it's and Alpine to build a spreadsheet. It's SBA, insane, dude. It's wild. That is insane. It's cool though. So like, how do you it, build a spreadsheet thing with no components, with no nestable components, you know? Let me tell you, or reusable. nestable components, I have them. Okay. I have nestable components and they are, their name is custom Alpine directives. Um, okay. So I have an X sheet directive. Okay. And I have an X row directive. And okay. I have an X cell directive. Okay. So you just pop X sheet on the, your top level div. Yeah. Right. I uh, am doing what you do when you register your directives and I'm binding an X data. Right. So I'm binding NX data. I'm binding all of the keyboard navigation event listeners. For the listener, there's are you using Alpine.bind? Uh yes. So for the listener, there's like these are the kinds of things that I don't think most Alpine users use, but but should. If you're building a spreadsheet thing or if if I'm building stuff, you if can call cool. Alpine dot if you're cool. You can call Alpine.bind first parameter is an element mm-hmm. second parameter is just an object a, full of binds yeah key value pairs where the keys are literally what you would put on the element like it's the attribute name on click um you could literally do at click colon and then have a P- well, like i just a didn't JavaScript realize function. you should do x data for a long time and then i saw you do it in one of them yeah it, it's, it um, might have been an x intersect you did this it. is one of those things daniel x binding x data there there are a few things that's like you know, Alpine is sort of like if you go in Alpine's code base, I literally ran into this the other day where I was, what was I doing? I was trying to f- trying to figure out oh where magic methods were injected because I think there's a memory leak caused by magic methods. And so I went to like look at like what part of the system is applying magic methods and it's literally only the X data file. And I was just reminded that like, X data is just a directive like any other directive. Right. Like it's not like some core part of Alpine that Alpine can only function. It's literally like 
you could have a version of Alpine without X data, which is wonky. Mm-hmm. So yeah, with and you can have multiple X datas on the same element. You can't have two of the same attributes on the same HTML element in a browser. You can't but... have multiple X datas. That's what I thought. So Chris and I were talking about this yesterday. So Chris built this thing called Alpine Wizard. Okay. Um, and he didn't bind an X data. Okay. He made like a random Alpine reactive. Yeah. That holds his state. Yeah. Um, and he is just like re- he's doing kind of a lot of That's work. Better. It's in my opinion. Talk to me. Why? So because I was it's, I was arguing that it's worse. Yeah. It is. So what Daniel's saying is we gotta give more context here. Yeah. Um so if you're following along at home, you can first you can declare a custom directive in Alpine. So if you if you want to create your own X poop, you can say alpine.directive. We could say X sheet. Sheet. Yeah, if you want to take a sheet. <laughs> um, that's funny, Daniel. Very funny. Um, so you could do alpine.directive first parameter is a string of the directive you want so sheet second parameter is a callback that'll get run every time an element is initialized that has that on it and then you have a bunch of and little that callback tools. receives the element and it receives yeah Alpine you get a bunch of information about it yeah um and so in that callback you can do whatever you want one of the things you could do is alpine.bind whatever you want. so it's almost a way of like somebody actually recently did a, a tip tweet about this was like you you know are you sick of you know, they used the example of x transition you have fi- like 5 x transition attributes on one element for like some drop down transition you can create your own directive called That's x drop down or whatever inside of that you can alpine.bind and then just put those 5 things in there so it's yeah. a way to like compress group up all of them yeah, yeah you can compress just literal alpine which is pretty cool and you're basically making reusable components right like that's what i'm doing with it yes so uh but one thing with well with the drop down thing I, I i don't think he responded to me but i was like oh whatever i won't go into that so yes you have alpine.directive you have alpine.bind the thing daniel's saying is like in alpine.bind he's you can just literally do x data as a key and then a value is a function that returns a data object and now you've, you know, you have like all of Alpine, you know, in this Alpine.bind. So then Daniel's saying, boss man Chris is like, don't do that. Instead, like in your callback in pure JavaScript, create a piece of Alpine reactive data. Mm-hmm. So like in Vue.js, when you do ref or reactive in Vue, you create like in your own code, you create a reactive proxy that's wired up with Vue's reactivity engine, and then you can pass around and do anything with it. Where in Alpine, when you have X data, it does that, but it also does other things. So what it, he's doing is basically he's like registering a global weak map of all of oh. the instances of this. Uh, okay. Of all of the instances of this directive. Sure. And then storing the element in those weak maps. Okay. Or storing, sorry, storing I see. the reactives in those weak maps keyed by the element. Yep. So that you can like look up the weak map by the yeah. element. That's not a bad idea. And let me tell you why. So a few things. One, in my mind, it's a little weird to have two X datas on one element. I think it's not a great thing. Okay. I do do so it. That was his argument for why you shouldn't do it. Was like... 
he's like, I don't want to register an X data because I also want an X data on this element in addition to their being. Yeah, and you can do that. He was thinking he couldn't do that. I think you can. No, you can do that. Yeah. Because um, the only Why reason is it you can't... Right. So here's one thing. Uh, when you use Alpine, when you do X data, that object is um, proxies are injected, or sorry, um, magic methods are injected into it. Mm-hmm. So now you automatically have like dollar sign watch um Mm -hmm. any dollar sign magic method is like assigned onto it and that actually is a memory issue right now in alpine that i can't pin down interesting Um, so here's just one little reason it's like there's that so that that's one thing i did have a memory issue recently okay any memory issue in alpine is likely caused by the magic method stuff and i haven't cracked it yet cool well um, i will remove some custom magics i'm not using that that i put in well, there for good measure <laughs> if you're not using them sure remove them um but i mean i don't know i don't know that that having your own custom ones makes the problem worse okay gotcha, gotcha. Um, but yeah so you got your x data problem number one magic methods it just makes it heavier you know problem number two it it basically like X refs are scoped to X datas. Mm-hmm. So if you have, you know, if I have a component and I don't like this behavior, by the way, but this is one implication. If you have a component X data, you know, counter or whatever, and then you have X ref inside of that, you can access that ref anywhere in that component. But if you have a subsection of HTML with your X sheet on it, that has X data inside of it virtually. Now that's a new X ref scope. Mm-hmm. So now you can't access that that X ref inside of that sheet. You can't access the parent refs inside of the child. Exactly, and it's mm-hmm. like an invisible barrier. So that's not an issue for me because I'm doing custom magics. So I actually made a dollar sign sheet that is okay. that allows me to reference my like. So rather than doing a ref, I actually just make a dollar sign sheet that returns the parent element. Right, right, right. Because all through my app, I want to do like alpine.sheet clear selection or like alpine.sheet, you know, whatever. Yeah, Yeah, yep. Yeah, I mean, I I think that the best thing to do, like my gut would be what I've found is the best with making custom alpine-y stuff is use the alpine as a hook to your own JavaScript. Like, yeah. Do your own weak map. Do your own alpine.data. Do your own, like you did, alpine.sheet that returns a thing with your own API.clear. You know, keep it as like as out of the DOM tree as possible, basically. Because if you put a bunch of stuff in the DOM tree, now it lives in there and it's going to interact with everything. You yeah. Know? So my global, my global sheet level. So one like important qualification is that I got them to commit to there's only one spreadsheet at a time. Right? Okay. So like a page can't have multiple sheets on it, uh-huh. right? A, a page has a sheet and that's yep. it. So because of that, I can do like an alpine.store sheet right. that is like my yep. global store nice. for the global sheet, right? Perfect. Yeah. So my global data lives in there, yep. but each of my cells has an X data on it, right? Like every mm-hmm. cell has an X data to say whether it's selected, to say whether it's, you know, whatever. Yes. Um, dude, you... <laughs> You got to look at the combo box. The com- well, there's other ones like maybe maybe the list box or even mm-hmm. menu. There are because I've I've you know done this exact same thing. It's like mm-hmm. 
X combo box and then X options and then X option. And there's dollar sign option dot selected dot active, you know, all this stuff. We have to keep track like globally of things, but then also more specifically Mm -hmm. of things. And I've first tried very like kind of naive, not that your solution is naive, but naive in the sense that just, oh, it's just, you know, write Alpine to do all of this X Mm -hmm. data, all this stuff. And then I've slowly refactored it all is kind of farther away from that um, to just have as much code outside of Alpine as possible. And things are better off, no doubt. Um, but still, it's uh, you'll have to look because some of those, these are just some things I've wrestled with since the beginning with the combo box. Um, so do you think the world's, because like one thing I'm in the middle of doing right now is yeah. like relocating as much code as possible into the global store, like into that like big like alpine.store. Sure. Just so that there's like, I don't know, there's just like random things where it's like when a piece of data changes, now every cell is having to check whether it is selected or not, right? Yeah. Right? And so like there's like a lot of things where it's like, this feels weird that all of these, in like there's a thousand cells on this page, you know, or 20,000 cells on this page. Like, holy crap. Do I want each of these things to be like going out and doing all of this work themselves, you know? So like I'm doing as much as possible to sort of like centrally locate as much of that data at the top as possible. Mm. I think that's the right move. There's this part of me, Daniel, that's like if I had to build something like that, would it be insane to do it in vanilla JavaScript? So they've done a lot of it in vanilla JavaScript. What do you benefit from Alpine? Aside from the niceness of like X sheet and stuff like that. What do you mean? Like, are there APIs in Alpine that you use like key down dot enter is like, oh, that's a lot nicer than doing that manually or, you yes. know, or colon class is a lot nicer than manually like toggling classes or trying to think of any other, I don't know. Are there a lot of things that are just a lot that you're like, I really benefit from the, the nice like utilities Alpine gives me? Yes. So there's lots of keyboard shortcuts that are going to be in yeah. this thing. So there's like lots and lots of like, registering keyboard shortcuts on lots of uh, elements you know right yep um but then also there's like you know there are useful like levels of scope that i think are nice right and so yeah. i'm saying that like okay well this level of scope only extends to a row yeah and this level of scope extends to a sheet yeah you know and this so that's useful right 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 but like I mean, you could obviously you could build anything in vanilla JS. Like, right. To me, it's just like so much nicer to like have a little bit of yeah, Alpine goodness. Yeah, because I, I mean, really, like, I, I just want to know. My fear is that that my fear is really memory issues with with having like X data's on like a thousand elements. You know, sure. My fear is that that it's just like kind of that you're going to run into stuff. But but hey, like. I I want to make that story better, you know. So sure, let's let's make Alpine, you know, work well when you attach a bunch of Have stuff. Twenty thousand elements, of, yeah, right, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, so far, I've run into one or two memory things. I can't tell if they're my fault or not. Yeah, you know, it's it's weird. It's like a big app. I don't yeah. really have control or like a lot of insight into the back end. Yeah. We recently ran into a thing where like after a commit I did, an HTMX call is like 
hanging. Oh. And it's like, what oh, could like, be causing this? Right. You like, should take... So I'm, I'm opening up Google Sheets right now. Uh-huh. And I'm going to take a memory snapshot. So just Chrome DevTools, go to the memory tab. I'm going to take a heap snapshot and just see what the heap is like. And I bet it's freaking huge. So it might be like a guiding light. It's like, okay, Google Sheets, it's still snapshotting. It's probably freaking huge. <laughs> it's a... Uh, it's a hundred and hundred and sixteen megabytes. That's how big Google Sheets is in memory. Just I just opened a random sheet in a browser tab. Uh-huh. I'm gonna do one. So yeah, it's 116 megabytes. <laughs> Hang on, I have to spin up the Python dev server. Um <laughs> give me a second. Yeah, dude. But yeah, so I'm not convinced that that um that that issue we had yesterday was um, was related at all to sure. Alpine. Like, I think that might have been some other weird stuff because I was... Okay. There's a separate build. There's all kinds of other stuff. All right, um, so Twitter is 24 megabytes, and I misspoke. Google Sheets is 88. Um, Google Sheets is 88. Twitter's 24 megabytes. Um just for context, so mm-hmm. I'm curious to see, you know, and then I'll go to alpinejs.dev, just the homepage, take a heap snapshot, and it's 3.8 megabytes. So Alpine is written better than Twitter itself. Yeah, you are the best. Yep. At website. Yep. Dude, some people, man, are so, some people in the React, I'm not going to name names. Don't. Some people who use all that crazy React and like crazy CSS and frame or motion, like that sort of happy path of the web have the most gnarly like time to first interaction or whatever. And the amount of data that gets downloaded, like it's so gnarly. It's insane. Mm -hmm. It is so bonkers how resource intensive all that stuff is. And I feel like nobody's talking about it. Sure. It's like, but why aren't we talking about massive amount? And I normally don't care or even notice, but I was working at Starbucks it was just like I went to a documentation site of a tool. It's like, why the heck is this taking so long? It literally took like 40 seconds to load. And like Alpine docs, they took like a second and a half, you know? Right. Um, so anyway, you got that snapshot going there, boy? Sure don't, bud. Let me tell you. Um, I'll, well, I'll do it when I do it. Um, you do it when you do it, whatever. But yeah, long story short, like it's... Uh, it's a really big project and I'm pretty into it. You know, like I'm having a really good time. I am like deeply nested, you know, you're building your own or you're not building, you're using, you're importing Alpine, right? Like you're, it's It's not like a CDN or anything. It was, I un CDN'd it. Yeah. Okay. There's still other random Alpine code. There is a CDN import. I just removed it from my pages right uh-huh. now because I don't need it. But like there are other pages that use other Alpine right now. Okay. I'm just very in- interested if you run into slowness and I, I think it would be fun to suss out like any framework. I mean, there are own... things that are slow because I architected them naively. Yeah. You know, like in the first, like, okay, well let's get this working approach. Like okay. some things are just slow because I like did the work 10,000 times where when I could have done it once, you know, or whatever, you know, like 
So stuff like that, I'm like, I'm working on. But uh, generally speaking, like, I think it'll be fine. Yeah. You know, there is yeah. a chance that we get, you know, another three weeks into this and we're like, we should write a React website. <laughs> you know, like this should dude, be. A... You're going to have a worse time in React. I, sw- no, I I'm say not, vanilla dude. JS before React, bro. You think vanilla <laughs> JS before React? I do. Even for something like that. I'm thinking like thousands of something highlighting like cells and having all that state and all that stuff i don't know i just picture like a zillion custom hooks yeah you're like use row and then use sheet but there's like piles of that stuff and just following what's going on in the app is going to be nuts where if it was like vanilla you could have like an actual javascript object that stores stuff and you know you could have like functions that call other functions and it's just very straightforward all right Memory snapshot. So take snapshot. 93 megs. 93 megs. Okay. Currently. So, oh, wait, what did I say? Okay. When you, you said Google was 80 something. Right. So are you see heap snapshots in the left sidebar? Oh, oh yeah. Sorry. It's, re, it's still snapshotting. My bad. Gotcha. So it, it says 90, but it'll probably be like half of that. So when it's finished, it's got a percentage, right? Yeah, loading edges, seventy percent. Okay, snapshot. Blah blah blah. We're blah blah blah. We're doing all the stuff. It's spinning. It's spinning. Yeah. When it's finished, in the left sidebar under heap snapshots, okay, it's it'll seventy-eight point five. Seventy-eight point five. Yeah. All right. So you're about Google Sheets. Yeah, but I'm also don't have half the functionality of Google Sheets. So gotcha. you okay. know, but also yeah. I've I'm like sort of naively. Some of my things are doing too much you know like i right i know where the optimization points are yep and i think like the memory issues like you don't really have memory issues until you start changing the page a lot like swapping out a thousand dom elements for a thousand new ones uh-huh. and now that old thousand didn't get garbage collected because they had references in those magic methods that are still being referenced somewhere you know what i mean sure like that's the issue so it's like on first page load bad like memory intensive stuff's probably not alpine's fault but if if after time you know the memory just grows and grows and grows and just never gets cleaned then i have a leak so Mm -mm -mm. yeah yep yeah somebody did a like a framework comparison and i always hate those like we talked about because it's apples to oranges with alpine yeah don't talk about your apples yeah and you never see i'm an orange uh, so it's apples to oranges, but somebody did one that um, it was good and bad. I lost to all the other frameworks in the amount of DOM nodes created to like paint a tree or something, whatever. And I'm sure it's just some optimization I could do. I don't know. But it's like you're just normally not driving out an entire app with Alpine unless you're Daniel. But um, <laughs> he and even you're not. You have the HTMX is driving out the template. You're just yeah. hydrating it. Correct. Um, but Alpine's like time to first, whatever those all those metrics of like how soon and the amount of JavaScript shipped is like light years ahead. It's literally like, you know, the most bulked up. It's you're like 12, 15 megabytes of JavaScript, maybe like 25 tops or these other ones. You're starting at like 150. Um, yeah. And just just a lot of like performance stuff. It's weird. Like random stuff is really performed with Alpine and then other yeah. stuff is not. But whatever anyway apples and or oranges yeah 
I need somebody who's like a serious JavaScript guru performance expert. I will pay you. If there's somebody listening to this who's like really got like JavaScript performance chops, knows how to hunt down memory leaks and can like, you know, do some of that stuff, hit me up. I will pay you and we will make Alpine lightning fast and crush all these metrics. Let's do it. Hell yeah. You might be the guy, honestly, at this point. Me? Yeah. Like... Who else I mean, is doing this? I will this? have to be the guy. Yeah. If no one, like I have had to be the I guy. Think the, I think those guys far. work. I think the best guys at that all work like on Chrome. Yeah. You know, right. like those that's are the, the dudes. Thing. Yeah. Like, who are you going to hire? Like, I know most people make websites. Some people work at Google. <laughs> yeah, I know. But there's like really good, you know, we've talked about my JavaScript imposter syndrome. I've thought about this recently, Daniel, because last time we talked about it, you know, you were encouraging me to not feel like, like a total thumb up butt guy at the yeah. JS conference. Um, and I've thought like with PHP, I don't feel this way at all. And I don't think my like relative skill is different. You know, I think I'm pretty good at PHP and I'm pretty mm. good at JavaScript. I know both languages pretty well. Sure. But with PHP, I feel very good about my PHP skill and knowledge. Yes. Compared to others. Sure. With JavaScript, I feel way not, you know, sure. not up there. Why is that? Is it that it's a runtime environment that depends on a browser and has stuff like memory leaks that like I PHP would say maybe so possibly, but also like let's just remove all technical things completely. Yeah. And say there's a couple things. So like one, like the top of the stack of like the best JavaScript developers in the world are like, you know, they work at Google. They work at, you know, they work at these places that are like sort of like elevated beyond like our little yeah. sort of indie web world, right. you know? Yep. And so it feels like they must be doing some crazy shit over there, you know, right. that we just don't even have access to. Versus like, if you look like, if you look at like the PHP world, it's like, well, who's bigger and better than Taylor Otwell? You yeah. know? And I know him and he likes the code I write. Yeah, I'm, be- right, I'm being right. you here. Yeah, but yeah. like, I, he uses my code and he's read it and he thinks it's good. So like, yeah. you know, I am. Yeah, good. that's probably a big part of it, right? Because like, know? if I'm if I'm looking up in PHP, I'm looking at Taylor. If I'm looking up in in JavaScript, I mean, I, I guess like there I'm are a bunch of really good PHP devs at like Slack and Facebook and stuff. But like, yeah, who knows what the fuck they're doing? They're doing some crazy shit. But even they're that, I feel PHP like PHP stuff. has like PHP is so. Uh, I don't know the word. It's like there's kind of a limited tool set, you know? Just feels like it's limited. It's like sure. you you just you can know everything, you know? Yeah, well know. it's also not running in a browser. Right. So like you control the runtime environment. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I got to say it feels really good to write PHP. PHP is fun again, Daniel, to me. I love PHP. I'm getting like all the new syntaxes, PHP attributes, now that we embrace those. <laughs> PH, I like the null assignment thing. There's like all these operators and even types. Like, I think I'm probably going to be like a slowly creeping up on being a type dude. Yeah. Um, but I'm, dude, but like in the constructor, just writing like public and, and then the, you know, the parameter name. Yeah. And it constructor hoisting or elevating or whatever. All that stuff. Like, PHP has gotten really fun, you know? You want to talk about types, dude? I, you know, there's lots of places where I wouldn't use a like a return type. Like I'm not a big return type head in a lot yeah. of places. Uh-huh. 
but working with Jacob on, uh, I was just doing like, it's a pretty straightforward, like Stripe payment method yeah. implementation, you know, where it's like, oh, users need to add credit cards and they need yep. to remove them and they need to, we need to charge them and whatever. Sure. Um, so I was working with him on that and, uh, I was like, oh, like everything here is called payment method, but some of them are our model and some of them are Stripe payment method objects, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And so just importing mm-hmm. payment method as a Stripe payment method and then using it as a return type on a bunch of functions yeah. to indicate like this one returns a payment method model. This one returns a Stripe payment method object. Yeah. And like I'm going to import them with different names so that like you can tell what this one returns because this one's called like you know retrieve payment method yeah and this you know whatever so like yeah right types give you it's just like documentation and so yeah, like, like you don't have to make a name that's like get pure stripe object right you know well you you can come up with a name but like you can yeah. just you can call it that in the context where it's useful by using like a import as yeah right so anyway um that's been really useful because like I wrote a little code and then handed it off to him. And so I just like went ahead and like added return types to all the places where they were useful. And like, it makes the code so much clearer for him, you know? Yeah. That's cool. Yep. I dig that. Um, Daniel, I got one, this or that before we sign off. I love a this or that. Liveware V3. Mm -hmm. Mount method still going to exist. Keep mount it. method. Yes. You know how you use the mount method to do stuff when a component's created? Yes. And you know how you pass parameters into it and they come through the mount method? Yes. And you know how blade components, not liveware components, just use the constructor? Yes. What if V3 just used a constructor? Better. Good. Okay. Even knowing that it's only going to get called the first request. And then there's going to be subsequent requests. And internally, I'm going to have to new up that class without calling the constructor, which you can do with reflection. And that's fine. Mm, that's weird. Yeah, it is weird. I don't know. I, now I don't know about it. <laughs> Dang it. Well, initially, you, you felt like it was good. It was good, but he... he oh, okay. Is it I good? Like to, I like to do hard things. You know, I like I like to do things that are a little off the beaten path, you know, and like when you do weird when you remove like language features, it's a bad <laughs> thing, you know, because like Caleb, say I wanted to use the constructor to do something like off the beaten path, you know, yeah, Or I was like, oh, I just want to make sure that like, you know, this this uh component always has whatever you know yeah i hear you if i do it once in the constructor and then like it never happens again on future requests then right so then i'm like okay well maybe you could make a constructor and then you could make like a rehydrate method that gets called where the constructor would get called but then it's like well why you have boot like sure there's a boot method that sure there's a boot method Yeah, yeah yeah but like why to what end caleb I know. I know. I know. To I what don't end? know. Daniel. I feel like it's an intuitive thing. It keeps, you know, symmetry with Laravel's blade components. People kind of expect it to work that way. Like if you guessed 
how when you pass a property into a component, you guessed where it comes into, you would guess the constructor. Yeah. So it's got all that. But then well, I wonder maybe if maybe it should come into the constructor too. But the well, mount method the should mount be method the thing. around. Yeah, like I'm mount not method removing should be them. the thing. I don't know, Daniel. And then I wonder if I like document. It'd be nice if the constructor did like, yeah, I don't know. If I, you know, push people in this direction, which I think is the intuitive direction, I wonder if I've really just sneakily like removed one more point of clarity for them. And now they're like, wait, but the constructor got called on page load and didn't get called again for the duration of the page, which is what I expect. But then why can't I set a protected property to something and it stays alive? You know? Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that, you know? Yeah, whatever. Um, I'm gonna still think about it. But I think, I'm also I think it is weird and you should examine your motives. Okay. I might it like, came about because I'm trying to figure out how to denote reactive properties in Live V3. Sure. And I let me guess, an attribute. An attribute. <laughs> You are on point. <laughs> there is a school of people who would like all properties to just be reactive if they're dynamic. Uh-huh. You know, if they come through from Blade as like a colon something in uh-huh. that in the component, you know, they want them to be just reactive by default. Sure. Anyway, there's just I don't know. I'm That's stuck not again. Bad. It's not a bad thing. But it is because well, it could be. Well, you tell me. Is it knowing that reactive properties bind two components together when they go to the server they have to travel together so if you have a parent component with a hundred nested components and all of them have a reactive property from the parent when the parent makes a request it has to send all hundred snapshots with oh it. interesting yeah i don't know i don't know man that's these yeah, value calculations cannot be made at the last second of a podcast i tell you that. i know another time another i have so many another so time many another v3 decision any things to run by we'll have to record again sometime all right daniel hell yeah let's uh hell let's do it yeah. let's cue this outro music oh dude yeah yeah i've got, a, I've fun got a button i can click right here so yeah. like is it true that you would request of me that i cue yes the the outro yes the outro music. music right now <laughs> good god y'all see we can like talk through the outro music now and it's like pretty cool it is pretty cool we can skit scat and scootily doop skibbly bop we're just gonna let it ride we're gonna let it ride we can do a whole other podcast right here we could just with this background music ooh, ooh, to change the content you know if we're just yeah. like e-bopping really turn up mm. Mm. i do a lot of that i do a lot of mm, daniel okay i guess it's over <laughs> <laughs>